Chapter twenty seven of Meg of Mystery Mountain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meg of Mystery Mountain by Grace May North. Chapter twenty seven The Green Hills Ranch. Shielded from the fury of the storms by gently sloping foothills, the rambling Packard ranch house presented a very inviting appearance to the young people as the two big horses carefully picked their way down the last steep trail. Oh, how beautiful was Jane's involuntary exclamation when the level road, having been reached, she felt freer to look around and admire the scene. I had no idea that a mere ranch could be so attractive. A great change was evident in the eastern girl and Jean Sawyer had been quick to notice it. Not once that morning had she seemed to be posing that she might appear more charming to him. She was just sweetly, sincerely natural. The reason, perhaps, was that Jane had suffered so much since his last visit that she had changed her estimate of real values. She was so happy, so peace deep in her heart. She had learned that her mother's little ones were dearer to her than all else, and so the impression she might make had dwindled in importance. If Jean had thought her beautiful on their first day of meeting, he thought her more lovely now, although her face showed evidence of a great weariness and the hours of anxiety through which she had passed. He smiled up at her as he walked at her side, one hand resting on the horse's bridle. Mr. Packard and I have tried out many schemes to make our home more beautiful, he told her. That little artificial lake surrounded by cottonwood trees and willows we made quite by ourselves. A mountain stream flows into it, indeed there are many springs in these foothills and that is why they have such soft velvety green appearance when the deserts and mountains are so dry they were passing through a vegetable garden where a beaming chinaman hoe in hand nodded to them then came the flower gardens and meg's enthusiasm though expressed in her usual quiet way was very evident how you do love flowers dan said smiling up at her indeed i do meg replied they seem like live things to me, and so I was not surprised to read recently that a scientist, with some very delicate instrument, has learnt that many plants are sentient, although not acutely so. Since then I have never torn a plant ruthlessly. That scientist advised cutting flowers rather than breaking them. It was indeed Meg's much-loved subject, and her eyes glowed as she gazed at the banks of scarlet saliva, and the masses of golden glow, and the many-hued asters. "'Someone else must love flowers,' she commented, turning to look back at Jean. He nodded. "'It is my best friend, Mr. Packard. You two ought to be great cronies. I sometimes tell him that I think it is the colour effect rather than the individual flower that he so greatly admires. But here he comes now.' They were riding up the circling drive which passed under a vine-coloured portico. Mr. Packard leaped down the steps with an agility that seemed to dispute his years, his greying hair attributed to him. "'Welcome!' he cried, with a wide sweep of his sombrero. "'This is indeed a pleasant surprise, although I can hardly call it as I have been watching for just a cavalcade to come riding down my foothills ever since the dawn broke.' He held out his strong arms to lift little Julie, whose face, still tear-stained and white with pain, appealed to him. He held her close as he listened sympathetically, while Gerald told what had happened to the poor little foot. Then, after giving a word of greeting to each of the guests, he bade them follow him indoors for the breakfast that had been long awaiting them. The girls found that a wing, containing two rooms and a bath, and overlooking the little lake, had been prepared for their comfort. 
Gerald, with the two older boys, sought quarters elsewhere in the rambling ranch house, which had room for the accommodation of many guests. "'When you girls have prinked enough,' Mr. Packard said merrily, "'follow the scent of coffee and you will find the rest of us.' When the door had closed and the three girls were alone, Jane held out a hand to Meg, saying, "'Will you forgive me for everything, and let me try to be a real friend?' An expression of gladness in the mountain girl's dusky eyes was her most eloquent reply. Directly after breakfast in the living room, which seemed to be all windows, and where they were served by the silently moving Chinaman, the girls were told that they were to go to their wing and rest until noon. This was in no way a displeasing suggestion, and in a very short while Julie and Jane in one room and Meg in the other were deep in slumber. Gerald was also advised to rest, but he declared that he would rather stay awake and see what was going to happen. Dan laughed as he said that Gerald seemed always to believe that an adventure might begin at any moment. "'What boy does not?' Mr. Packard smiled understandingly down at the stocky little fellow whose clear blue eyes and freckled face beamed good-nature. Then, quite as though he could read the small boy's thought, the man exclaimed, "'Gerald, you ought to wear my grandson's cowboy outfit. He'd be glad to loan it to you.' That this suggestion met with the youngster's entire approval was quite evident by the wild dance which he executed there and then. Jean led the little fellow away, and before long Gerald reappeared, clothed in a costume of the most approved style, a fringed buckskin suit, a red bandana handkerchief loosely knotted about his neck, while in one hand he held a wide felt hat on which, to his great joy, a dried rattlesnake skin served as a band. His own small gun was never out of his possession. "'Great!' Dan said, with brotherly pride. "'I wish our dad and our dear old grandmother might see you now, Jerry. "'You do indeed look ready to start on an adventure.' "'Well, we go to look for it,' the small boy gazed eagerly, hopefully up at their genial host. "'Well, Sonny, what kind of adventure would you prefer?' the amused man asked as though he were willing, at least, to attempt to provide whatever adventure his small guest might desire." "'I'd like an Indian rapid best, or a hold-up.' The boy was thinking of the most exciting things he could recall of his Wild West books, but Mr. Packard shook his head. "'Sorry to disappoint you, Sonny, but the Utes are a friendly tribe, peaceable anyway, and they are no longer our near neighbours. They have moved their camp deeper into the mountains. And, as for hold-ups, since we are neither on a stage or a train, we cannot provide that.' "'But if you boys are not too weary, I am going to suggest that you ride with me to the old stage road. "'I've been losing some calves lately, and Jean believes that they might have been driven into an abandoned corral over the foothills at night, and later were spirited away.' He hesitated. "'It's a hard ride, though. Perhaps you boys would rather not undertake it until tomorrow.' But they were glad to go, and Gerald would not agree to being left behind. He was given a small horse that was gentle and used to boys, as the grandson had claimed it as his own and so they rode away, having left word for the girls that they would return as soon as possible. In the mid-morning they reached the old abandoned stage road. No one uses it now, that is, for legitimate purposes, as it's very dangerous. There are washouts and cutaways that make it almost impassable for stage or for auto-travel. Then, pointing to the stage where the road circled a high hill, Mr. Packard concluded, "'Jean, can you see where yesterday's cloud-burst washed out to the road?' It has started a new cannon that will have to be bridged. For now, and then, a tenderfoot autoist does get started on that old road, thinking it leads to Redfords. Time and again we have to put up signs on the main highway, but they are hurled down in the storms, I suppose. 
Dan had been intently tracing the old road until it was lost from sight. Suddenly he urged his horse forward to Mr. Packard's side. "'May I take the field glasses? I feel sure I see a dark object moving along that old road and coming this way. You look first, though. Your eyes are better trained to these distances than mine.' Mr. Packard gazed long, then he turned to Jean. "'Boy,' he said, "'it looks like an auto moving slowly this way.' If it ever starts down that downgrade towards the washout, there's going to be a tragedy. Jean was eagerly alert. What shall we do, Mr. Packard? How can it be averted? The automobile had disappeared as the road circled behind a hill, but the watchers well knew that if it did not meet with a disaster, it would soon reappear above the washout, and then be unable to stop because of the steep descent. Follow me, Mr. Packard gave the brief order, and, urging his horse to its utmost speed, he led the way at what seemed to Gerald a breakneck pace. The small boy clung to his wiry little pony, which kept close behind the racing mustangs. It was evident to the boys that Mr. Packard was hoping to round the foot of the hill in time to shout a warning to the autoists, before they began the descent which would prove fatal. It seemed a very long distance to Dan, and he could not see how they could possibly make it. He kept his eyes constantly on the crest of the hill road, dreading the moment when the car would appear there to plunge down to the most certain destruction. Mr. Packard rounded the foot of the hill first, whirled in his saddle and beckoned the boys to make haste, then disappeared, leaving his horse standing riderless. "'What can that mean?' Dan asked, but Jean merely shook his head. In another moment they would know. When they also had rounded the hill, they saw that the ill-fortune— as autoists usually consider a blowout, had befriended the travellers. The car had been stopped just as it had begun the ascent of the hill, on the other side of which sure death had awaited them. Mr. Packard was seen breaking a trail through the underbush. From time to time he hallooed, and the boys saw that he had at last been heard. "'It will be needless for us to make the climb,' Jean said, "'since Mr. Packard will warn them.' And so the three boys awaited the man's return. "'Who were they?' Jean inquired. Mr. Packard, removing his Stetson to wipe his brow, shook his head. I do not know. Some family from the east trying to cross the Rockies. They could have done it easily enough had they not taken the wrong road. The woman in the party is so utterly exhausted that I invited them to come to our place to rest. I showed them the road from the foot of the hill back to them. It certainly isn't in good condition, but, being on the level, it would at least not be dangerous. The woman fainted when she heard how near death lurked ahead of them but they'll be all right now. We'll inspect that old foothill corral some other day, Jean. These strangers have need of our friendly services. Mr. Packard turned his horse's head towards the ranch as he spoke, and they all galloped back at a more moderate speed. That was sort of an adventure, wasn't it? Gerald inquired, hopefully. Mr. Packard laughed heartily. I certainly think it could be so classified, he agreed. I shudder to think what would have been, however, if that tire had not halted them. We could not have reached them in time. Although it was not quite noon, the girls were up and dressed when the equestrians returned, and were greatly interested in all that had happened. Gerald waxed eloquent as he told Julie the details, and that little girl, who hungered for adventures quite as much as her brother, hoped that if anything exciting happened again, she might be in the thick of it. Mr. Packard retired to the kitchen to advise Sing Long, the cook, that four other guests were to arrive for lunch. Although that Chinaman's reply was merely, Ali light, the American interpretation of his pleased smile would be, the more the merrier. Guests were his joy that he might display the art at which he excelled. 
an hour later a big luxurious closed car limped into the ranch door yard mr packard went out to greet the strangers in the same hospitable manner that he had greeted his friends the girls on the wide porch saw a fine-looking man with a van dyke beard assisting a simply though richly gowned woman from the car and then the front door was flung open there was a cry from a girl who leaped out and fairly raced up the front steps with arms outheld jane oh jane how wonderful to find you here we were looking for your cabin and that's how we came to lose our way marion star of all things i thought that you were in newport End of chapter twenty seven